Uh, I want to say welcome to you guys. Uh, thank you guys for being flexible uh, with our changing schedules. Um, if you've been a part of our church family, it's been an interesting season these last couple of years um, as we are trusting God uh, for our future. If you were with us last weekend, we got a really good picture of what the next season is going to look like for us. We got to worship in our barn, and we had so many people say, can't we just keep doing that? And the answer is no, we can't, uh, because we live in Michigan and winter is coming. Uh, but we need to keep pushing and moving. Uh, we're trusting that we'll get word any day now from the city uh, that we'll be able to arrange with our builder to start moving dirt behind us and be able to start uh, getting that space ready for us. Uh, it was neat to see this space. This space was actually designed to be a lobby, and uh, it, it was neat to see it last week kind of function that way. So it's exciting to think about the future, and uh, very excited for that. So uh, we're glad to have you guys. Glad to have you guys joining us online. And if it's your first time, uh, we're glad that you guys are here. So you guys ready? You guys good? I can't tell with the masks on, all right? I just can't tell, but uh, we're glad to have... Yeah, there you go. I need some more verbal. I need some more verbal. I appreciate it. Same thing online. Just go and throw it in the the comments, whatever that looks like. I don't really know. So there you go. Great. Um, So we're starting a brand new series today called Uncomfortable. And uh, the tagline or the subtitle is The Awkward and Essential Challenge of Christian Community. And so I'm excited to begin this, this journey. I want to start by asking a question, uh, and we're going to kind of play through a little bit of a game real quick. Uh, this game may make you uncomfortable. That is okay, all right? So here's the question we're going to wrestle with. If you could build the dream church, what would it look like? And I'm not talking about the architecture. That's maybe where you thought, but not the architecture. We're going to talk about a couple different aspects of your dream church, all right? We're just going to have fun for a minute. Let me ask you the first question. Uh, what would the age of your pastor be at this dream church? If you don't know my, my age, I'm going to be very offended. <laughs> Much younger. Thank you, Nathan. Yes. Yes. If, you, if you're thinking 42, you guessed correctly. That would be the age of your pastor at this perfect church. Okay, let me ask you another question. Uh, how long would the beard be of your worship leader at this perfect church? <laughs> No beard, right? It kind of depends on who you're asking, right? If it's Cam leading worship, or if it's Nathan, or if it's Miss Rosalie, uh, the answer might be a little bit different uh, based on, on that. So, okay, another question. Uh, how full would the, the worship space be? Would it be uh, almost empty? Would it be packed? In your perfect church, what would it be? Packed? It would be just right, right? It'd be for some people, they want it packed out. All pastors want it packed out, just so you know the answer to that. (laughs) Like, oh, standing room only. Sometimes pastors will take away seats just so they can say standing room only, all right? Um, Okay, another question for you is, uh, what would the average age of the people who attend your church be? (laughs) What would it be? Would they be all young people with kids? Would they be the same age as you? Would they be older? Would they be all different ages? What would the perfect church be? All different ages, right? We need every single generation, every single age. We need that to be a part of our church family. Uh, another question, what size church would it be? Would it be a mega church, thousands of people? Would it be a dozen people? Would it be about like what Evan, is Evident Church the perfect church? I'm just going to ask. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't, no, don't say that. That's not true. That's not true. But what size would it be? Think about that. Let me ask you another question. Would the messages be all funny or would they be all serious? A mixture, but only the perfect mixture, right? right? We want enough serious, but not too serious. It's got to be somewhat fun, but not too fun, right? Otherwise, it's not serious enough. 
You guys see the pressure that I'm under in this moment? Okay, let me ask you another question. Would there be masks or no masks? Don't answer that question. Don't answer that question. All right. So it would be basically, it would be everything that we like and nothing that we don't like, right? It would be the perfect church. It would be the perfect church. Uh, what we're going to talk about in this series is this, this uh, temptation or this pull within the American culture toward comfortable, right? It, uh, comfort is being sold to us everywhere we look. We want to be comfortable. And I, I want to be comfortable, but we're comfortable and in, in we're encouraged to do whatever we want to, whenever we want to, with whomever we want to, and we're encouraged to simply be comfortable. But the truth is that the Christian faith following after God is anything but comfortable. And this series is going to be a challenge to us to realize that we're called to get uncomfortable. We're called to get uncomfortable. Um, uh, and this perfect church that we, that we might envision, guess what? It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Uh, Charles Spurgeon a uh, great preacher from an age ago, he said this about the perfect church. He said, if I had never joined a church until I had found one that was perfect, I should have never joined one at all. And the moment that I did join it, if I had found one, I should have spoiled it, for it would not have been the perfect church after I had become a member of it, right? Still, imperfect as it is, the dearest uh, it is the dearest place on earth. And all who have first given themselves to the Lord should as speedily as possible give themselves to the Lord's people. As I've already said, the church is faulty, but that is no excuse for your not joining it if you are the Lord's. So what I want to do in this series, and what we're going to do is we'll look at a couple of different passages, just help challenge the way that we view and think about church, the way that we think about the family of believers that we are a part of, and what we think about in our relationship with God. So I want you guys to open up in your Bibles. Um, to 1 Peter chapter 2. Grab a Bible and open up to 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 4. We're going to read verses 4 and 5, and then we're going to uh, skip to verse 9. And if you don't have a Bible, you're welcome to use one in front of you. Uh, we would love for you to have that Bible if you do not own one. I would love for you to, to have that as a gift from us. So we're going to read a few verses in 1 Peter chapter 2. So here's what Peter says as he's writing to Christians. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, starting verse 4. It says, As you come to him, Jesus, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now verse 9, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. So my first of two points is this, is that church is not about preferences. It is about knowing God. 
It is about knowing God. Now, obviously, there are some things that need to be at the foundation of any good church, right? That we're preaching from the Bible and that we're proclaiming um, the resurrection of Jesus, right? And the deity of Christ. There's, there's bottom line essentials. But then when it comes to preferences, like my favorite worship song or the, whatever, whatever else is in the service, church is not about preferences. It is about knowing God. And I would just admit that I think sometimes in an effort to reach people, sometimes we make things too comfortable. Does that make sense? Sometimes we make it too easy. Now, we want to remove barriers and obstacles, right? We don't want anything to get in the way of somebody following after Jesus. But if you are already a follower of Jesus, I think sometimes we set the bar way too low and we make it too easy for people to follow Jesus. Make sense? Way too easy uh, to, to call themselves Christians. So Peter, while he's writing to various churches that are experiencing forms of persecution, he shares what it means to be the chosen people of God. And what Peter says is that Jesus was rejected by men, but he was chosen by God to be the cornerstone of the Christian faith, the cornerstone of the church all right, this is really heavy, and I'm worried every single time I'm going to drop it on my iPad sitting right here. There you go, just for dramatic effect. Boom. So what Scripture teaches us is that Jesus is the cornerstone of the church, right? That Jesus is the foundation of the church, and that we as Christians are being built up into living stones, that God is shaping us and molding us to be built on the foundation of Jesus um, as a community of faith. Uh, these are actually bricks um, from our building. Uh, I didn't take them off the building. I, they're extra bricks from the back. But All right, so, so it says that we are living stones, that God is shaping us, that God is molding us, that God is building um, his church, that God is building a group of people to represent Christ. Um, here on earth. So he's building us up that we can proclaim the praises of God so that church is not about your preferences or my preferences, that church is about knowing God. Can somebody say amen, please, and help me out? That that is what we're called here for. Peter is presenting an image of a community that is focused entirely on Jesus. Let me, let me share some things along with that. It is a community of people that can put aside preferences and put aside quarrels and put aside things that would distract us from focusing on Jesus. It's for the sake of becoming these living stones. The entire purpose of this community that God is building is that we would declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his glorious light. It's about knowing God and worshiping him as king. So I think this past season for the church in general has gotten really confusing about what it means to be a part of a church family. Um, I think it's gotten really confusing in, in a lot of ways. Um, what I mean by that is that with this attempt for the church to go online, right, and we had to for a season, it's really confused a lot of people because if I want to, and if you want to, you can watch 
the greatest preachers that exist on the planet. Um, and you can watch me as well online too, all right? Or, and you can also watch the most amazing worship like that you could ever want to watch, all from the comfort of your living room. Many people are enjoying that today, right? But it's become really confusing then. What does it mean to be a part of the people of God? Does it mean that if I watch a worship service online, that that, you know, what does it mean, right? It gets confusing. These are great tools, but if it causes us as followers of Jesus to become less committed in our faith, that's not good, right? God's calling us to be living stones built up and focusing on knowing God. So however challenging it may be to embrace God's purpose and God's plan for the church are far more glorious than any dream that we could possibly conjure up. And it's not about finding a church that fits perfectly every single preference, but it's about allowing a group of people to shape and mold who you are so that you can become that living stone that God is building you up to be. So the reality, of course, is that that dream church does not exist. Now, evident might be a close second, all right? We'll just just acknowledge that. Of course. But um, the, the truth is the reign of King Jesus is eternal, and he is worth worshiping together as we call ourselves followers of Jesus. Um, I think sometimes we forget while we're here, and that's to come together um, to worship him, and I'm guilty of that as well. Um, C.S. Lewis um, he, I, he, I love this quote. He said, The perfect church service would be one where we're almost completely unaware of it. I heard someone say one time, and I don't know why this has struck me. <laughs> I don't, it's about, I need to be careful because it's about women's makeup, all right? But they said that, that the best makeup is, what some, is makeup that you don't notice. Does that make sense? If, it's notice, if you're like, wow, that's a lot of makeup then, then it's, it's a little bit much, right? I just, is that a true advice? I don't really know. Okay, it, I probably shouldn't have gone there, and I will stop talking now. But C.S. <laughs> the perfect church, here we go. Uh, C.S. Lewis, though, said that the perfect church service is one that you're almost completely unaware of because your, your attention is almost solely on God himself, right? And my, my, my goal, my, my job as a pastor, and I don't always do it, but my goal is to be able to have you guys hear from God and not from me. Like part of my prayer is, God, would you please allow me to get out of the way so that what we're talking about, people can hear from you. Same thing with our team as well. Diedrich Bonhoeffer said that those who love their dream of a Christian community more than they love the Christian community itself do themselves more harm than good. And sometimes we get so enamored with the dream of a perfect church that we forget to love the church that we're actually a part of. God calls us to love the community of faith that we are part of, as imperfect as it may be. So that's the first point, that church is not about preferences. It's about what? It's about knowing God. You're here to know more about God. That's why you're here. Number two, then I want you guys to turn to John chapter 12. Another passage, John chapter 12. John chapter 12, and we will start reading in verse 25, just two verses, verses 25 and 26. 
John chapter 12, verse 25, Jesus is speaking to a crowd of people, and he gives them these words. He said, anyone who loves their life will lose it. Well, anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. So point number two is this, that the Christian life isn't supposed to be comfortable, so we should embrace it. I think we, I'm guilty of this. We too easily sell a, an aspect of following Christ that says if you follow Jesus, he's going to fix all your problems and life is going to be easy and amazing. Right, the part of him fixing problems is true, but not in the way that you think it is. Right, the, the call to follow Jesus is not a call to the comfortable. It's a call to be challenged and to be stretched and to be changed. I want you guys to think about this for a second. I want you guys to answer this question. What is this? It's a cross. Yes, correct answer. Let me ask you another question. You were correct the first time, but we're going to get a little bit deeper. What actually is this? Wood, also correct. Yes. <laughs> like, what is he getting at? In its original context, what was this? Death, death sentence. A Roman execution device. The Romans perfected. The Assyrians it began it, and the Romans perfected it. That this is a Roman execution device. It also happens to be the symbol of what faith? Christianity, <laughs> right? Think about that. A Roman execution device is the symbol of your faith. We wear this around our necks, right? We're like, hey, this one would be a little bit awkward. But, but think about that, that the call to follow Jesus is not a call to be comfortable it is a call. Jesus says, literally, I want you to, to crawl up on this thing, and I want you to die to yourself. The call to follow Jesus is a call to lay your entire life down and say, I am giving my life to serve and follow him. My preferences, my desires, my hopes, my dreams, I am giving my life to the one who gave his life for me. So, is it any wonder then what I'm saying that, that the call to follow Jesus or to be a Christian is not a call to be comfortable? Jesus doesn't call us to, this is not comfortable. It's call, a call to die to yourself. And too often we, we sell it as something much, much less than that. So what, what he's saying is that if you love the comforts of this life above all else, that you will miss out on the comforts of eternal life. What he's also saying is that this life is not all that there is, and we have to live with that eternal perspective in mind. That there's more to this life than just simply the comforts of this world. Brett McCracken, author Brett McCracken, in his book, the same title of our series, he said this, he said, Following Christ is not one's golden ticket to a white picket fence American dream. It is an invitation to die, to pick up a cross. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said, I didn't go to religion to make me happy. I always knew that a bottle of port would do that. 
If you want a religion to make you happy or feel really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend what? Christianity. Christianity. What McCracken and what Lewis are both getting at is that it's easy to find basic happiness and comforts. But living the Christian life and being part of a church community requires making sacrifices that may feel uncomfortable, but ultimately they help us become more like Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let me list some things that are uncomfortable. Um, Giving financially is uncomfortable. Don't need to say amen. Please don't say amen to that. (laughs) But what God calls us to with our resources is uncomfortable. He calls us that basically that all of our resources are his. And that we don't get to be the ones to decide what we do with them. That that God says, I want you to trust me with your resources. That's uncomfortable. We're called to be uncomfortable. Um, Praying can be uncomfortable. Anybody else get uncomfortable when they need to pray out loud with somebody else? Uh, You you start sweating like crazy and just can't find the words. You don't know what to say. Praying can be uncomfortable. We're called to be uncomfortable. Living with certain moral values and standards can be uncomfortable. Anybody agree with that? It's uncomfortable, but we're called to be uncomfortable if we're going to follow Jesus. Sacrificing and giving up things can be uncomfortable. Committing to doing life with people that you don't know can be uncomfortable. The Bible calls us brothers and sisters in Christ. We're called to do life together, to know each other, to sacrifice for one another. And it's a call to get uncomfortable. What I love, though, is that the trade-off and this uncomfortable life that he calls us to, that Jesus calls us to, the trade-off is always, always worth it. Would you agree with that? I hear some quiet amens. Jesus tells us what it will cost to follow him. What is the cost of following Jesus? What is the cost of following Jesus? What does Jesus say the cost of following him is? Our lives. Our lives. If we're going to follow Jesus, it will require our lives. I was reminded as I had a conversation with somebody after uh, the previous service um, that all of the disciples, the, the initial 12 11 of those 12 uh, died martyrs' deaths, either crucified or burned alive or boiled in, in oil. Like, they all died martyrs' deaths. They died for their faith. We're being called to, to be challenged to not be comfortable, but to be uncomfortable. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, um, he said that he would build his church and that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. That's a powerful picture of, of the church, right? The body of Christ. Um, and what I love about that is Jesus says, that's the one thing that I'm building that will never fade away, right? The gates of hell itself will not be able to overcome and run over the church. And I love the idea, I've heard many uh, speakers uh, talk about this point, that gates, gates are not advancing, right? That gates are there to protect and keep out, but that the church of Jesus Christ it's powerful and advancing, that the gates of hell will not be able to stop us. Why would we be uh, attacking hell? Why would, be, we, why would we be advancing against hell? Yeah, that we'd be plucking people out of the hands of the enemy, right? I've heard some people say that they want to make it difficult for people to go to hell in their area. 
I love that, right? That, that we would be about making it difficult for people to go to hell uh, in our communities. That makes sense? That we'd be clutching them out of the grasp of the enemy. And that the, the gates of hell will not stop the advancement of the church of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I have not felt lately that the church of Jesus is extremely strong. I have felt in many ways that, that within our, our culture that the church is actually kind of weak. Have you felt that? Have you, I'm just being honest with you. Right? So if I were to ask the question, is the church powerful today, how would you answer that question? Not really, right? Not really. Not really. My, my question to follow that is why not? Why not? Um, again, author Brett McCracken, he said this, and I, this so resonated with me. He said this, there is a reverse correlation between the comfortability of Christianity and its vibrancy. When the Christian church is comfortable and cultural, she tends to be weak. But when she's uncomfortable and countercultural, she tends to be strong. I believe that the latter is how she was meant to be. Now, it doesn't mean that we're on street corners with bullhorns saying, God hates you. That's not what that means. But it means that we are completely committed to following Jesus and being uncomfortable in what he calls us to be about and focus on our lives. Make sense? That we are called to follow Jesus, and that's a call to uncomfortable. I'm reminded of this, the example of this in the, in the book of the Bible uh, called Acts. So as we celebrate last week, the resurrection of Jesus, right? And Jesus appears for 40 days to his followers, uh, his 12 disciples at one point to a crowd of 500 people. And uh, the gospels are written, and the book of Acts is the account of the church as it grows and develops. Acts chapter 1, uh, Jesus uh, basically um, says the Holy Spirit's going to come when the Holy Spirit comes, I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, right? So not only where you are right now, but the entire planet. So a couple chapters later in the book of Acts, uh, the church gets really comfortable. Like they've seen some good things, the church has grown, but then they kind of settle into business as usual. And it takes persecution in Acts chapter 8 for them to finally remember, oh yeah, Jesus said we we're supposed to go. We're supposed to get uncomfortable, so Acts chapter 1, Holy Spirit comes, church explodes, they get comfortable. They aren't as effective in their mission. But then Acts chapter 8, persecution comes on Christians, and then the church just goes crazy. It explodes because the people are forced to go from where they're living in their comfortable lives, and they're forced to carry the gospel out to the world. Does that make sense? The church isn't strongest when it's comfortable. It's strongest when it's uncomfortable, when it's being challenged when it's not easy to be a follower of Jesus. So I just want to give some encouragements as your pastor. Guys, I love what I see God doing in, in each of your lives. I love it. And I love what God's doing in and through our church. Uh, I, I can't, I'm ecstatic. I am like over the moon about this next season for our church. It's going to be an incredible year. Just trust me, it's going to be an incredible year. But I wonder if we're in danger of missing out on all that God has for us and wants to do in and through us because maybe we've become comfortable in our faith. I'm standing here with you just to acknowledge that I believe Jesus is calling us to sold out, countercultural, 
um, extremely uncomfortable at times Christianity. So I'll give you a bottom line. Bottom line of what I'm trying to say is this, that the Christian life, especially when it comes to being a part of a church community, is full of discomfort and awkwardness. But God uses these challenges to help us to know him better. So the, the goal isn't to find a church that, uh, that fits all the, the check boxes for you. And if you hear something challenging, it's like, no, I, I'm going to go be a part of this church because that makes me feel better. Don't do that. But you lean into a, a group of people that are being shaped by God to help you grow to become more like Christ. So the challenge is don't run from the uncomfortable, but lean into it and embrace the difficult parts of Christianity in order to grow deeper and experience true gospel community. Um, I'm going to ask our worship team to start making their way up. And I want to just share with you guys um, some exciting things. This past week, I had a couple of just amazing conversations uh, of people who are experiencing God at work in their lives. Uh, One of them was a young man who was baptized uh, this past weekend. I came to Easter Sunday not planning to get baptized, but God was speaking to him, and after the first service, they said, we, we think that we should be baptized today. So we, we baptized him at the beginning of the second service. And uh, he called us, he called myself and Pastor GJ at the beginning of this week, and he said, I don't know what's, what's happening, but something's different in my life. <laughs> He's like, I just feel like God is all over me. Like, I just want to read my Bible all the time. And, I, you know, just all these things, I was like, well, welcome to Christianity. Welcome to following Jesus. You know, God is at work in your life. And just other conversation with people, because they're, they're responding to the call that God, God's calling and challenging them to get uncomfortable. That they're saying no to some habits in their lives that they used to say yes to. Does this make sense? They're, they're saying, God, I want to do whatever you want me to do. And that's the call that Jesus has in our lives. It's what I'm challenging us to today as a church, that you would simply just say, you know what, God, I want to die to myself, lay down all of my preferences, and I want to make you the centerpiece of my life. He's calling you to do that, to follow him. I want you guys to stand with me and we'll pray together. And Heavenly Father, I want to be the first one to just acknowledge that, God, i just be honest with you. I hate my comfortable faith. I hate the fact that that I get lulled into just coasting, and I want to repent of that today, God. Would you please help me to have a strong faith that doesn't coast? And God, we, we want to repent of anything that we're holding on to that's holding us back from following you completely. And God, if there's things that are uncomfortable that we don't want to deal with, I pray that you would compel us to lean into those things, that our heart's cry would be to tell you, God, that we want to do whatever you want us to do. We want to serve you any way you want, you want us to serve you. And God, would you please make your church strong? Would you please make this church, Evident Church, strong? Would you please make your church around the world strong in this season? I think the church is a sleeper. I think that the world may see the church as weak, but your word tells me something different. 
Your world tells me that the church is the bride of Christ, that you are purifying the bride, that you are pouring your Holy Spirit into the bride, and that you will one day return for your bride. I do believe with all my heart, God, that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church that you are building. God, please help us to serve you and love you and follow you with everything that we are, everything we have. We praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.